0: When you know the ten brothers, you come to learn what the Bible story so far has told us about them. How in the world can men like this enter the blessing of God? How can a person who has broken promises, betrayed trust, lied, deceived, even to loved ones, how can such a person, man or woman, enter into the blessing of
1: God. Welcome to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith. I'm David Pick and in this series we've been looking at some of the parallels between Joseph and Jesus. And Colin, it sounds as if we're turning a corner in today's message.
0: Yeah, the second part of the story of Joseph really focuses on the brothers and how the brothers in so many ways are like us. And these brothers were the very worst I mean, we're going to see in the program today just the extent of their sins against God. And yet the remarkable story is of God's grace and of the transformation that came about in their lives. So here's the message today. However far you have gone from God, however great And however vile the sins that you have committed may have been, there is hope of redemption, of a transformation of life for you in Jesus Christ. That's the story of the brothers. They're reconciled to Joseph, who points us to Jesus, and we can be reconciled to Jesus and at peace with God and brought into newness of life, no matter how far we have gone and no matter how much we have sinned against God. It's a wonderful story to give us that light of hope.
1: And we see that in Genesis chapter 42. Too. So if you can, please open your Bible and join us as we begin the message, Awakened and Convicted. Here's Pastor Colin. Good
0: morning, everyone. We're returning today to our series on Joseph, uh, snapshots of a godly life. This is really a story in two parts. Part one is about the dearly loved son who was humiliated and then was exalted. Uh, We followed the story of how Joseph comes to his brothers. They hate him because he is the loved and favored son. They sell him to traders who take him to Egypt and he's taken to the lowest point. But then he's exalted and ends up being the governor at the right hand of Pharaoh with authority over the entire land of Egypt. And what we saw throughout the two months at the beginning of this year was Joseph really is very like Jesus. His story obviously shines a light on Jesus, the dearly loved, highly favored son of God who comes into the world to seek his brothers, is hated and rejected, despised, goes to the lowest point, is exalted to the highest place and at the right hand of the father reigns as our prince and as our savior. Joseph is very, very much like Jesus. Now the brothers are very, very much like us. So while part one of the story points to the journey of Jesus, his humiliation and his exaltation, part two of the story is really the story of how God redeems sinners like us. Part one is about the Redeemer. Part two is about the Redeemed. And keeping this uh, framework for the story in your mind will help you to know where we are as we go forward. Part one is about God's great purpose for his own son. Part two is about God's gracious plan for his own people. And so what we're going to see here is um, that God works through his loved and favored son to bring about the redemption, the blessing of uh, these brothers with whom, in so many ways, we will be able to identify ourselves. Now, to understand the story in part two, we really need to get an orientation towards uh, these brothers, get a picture in your mind of who they were and how they had lived. And uh, the headline here is that these brothers were not like Joseph. Joseph is very like Jesus, But uh, the brothers are not at all like Joseph. In fact, they live the opposite of a godly life. And you can see that in at least four snapshots that are given to us in the Bible. I'll just run through them briefly here. The first is the story of Simeon and Levi. You have it in Genesis 34. The story here is that Joseph's brothers had made a deal with a clan called the Shechemites, that is the clan of a man called Shechem. And this man Shechem had fallen in love with and had slept with their sister Dinah. The brothers were outraged about this, but then they made a deal with Shechem and his clan and said that the two families would blend and they would intermarry and that the brothers would be at peace with him despite what he had done if, and this was the one condition, All of their men were circumcised. So the men of Shechem agreed to this deal. They went ahead. And while they were still recovering, and clearly therefore were in no position either to fight or to defend themselves, the sons of Jacob launched a a raid. It was almost like a terrorist attack on the Shechemite city. Destroyed all the men, destroyed the city. It was an outrage and it was an atrocity. So that in Genesis 34, verse 30, Jacob says, the father says of Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me stink to the inhabitants of the land. You've taken my name, the father says, and you have dragged it into the dirt by this atrocity of violence that you have perpetrated against these men to whom you had given your word. That's Simeon and Levi. Second snapshot, the story of Reuben. This is Genesis 35, verse 22. While Israel lived in that land, Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel heard of it. Now, Reuben was the firstborn son. And this scandalous sin that uh, everybody heard about became widely known uh, that brought disgrace upon the family was the reason that Jacob chose to take the rights that would normally have been given to Reuben as the firstborn. And in the light of Reuben's outrageous sin, he gave these rights to Joseph. And that's the significance of the Code of Many Colors that's so famous in this story. When Jacob put the robe on Joseph, he was really saying, he's the one. My oldest son Reuben has forfeited the rights that go with being the firstborn. And I'm draping this privilege now on, on Joseph. And of course, that's why the brothers hated him. They didn't like that uh, one bit. But that was Reuben, third snapshot, the story of Judah in Genesis 38. By the way, these chapters of Genesis, read them if you're feeling way too happy and you just need to be brought down to earth, you know. They are hard reading just because of the sheer pain and dysfunction that is going on in this family. And I'll be very brief here, but Genesis 38, tragic account of Judah and Tamar. And suffice to say that this is another story that shows another of the brothers to be sexually promiscuous. Uh, Judah is a man without sexual boundaries. And behind him he leaves a trail of broken hearts, of wounded lives, as he sins his way further and further and further away from God. Then the fourth snapshot is the story that we've already looked at earlier this year, how the brothers treated Joseph. And you remember how Joseph came to his brothers and they said, Genesis 37 and verse 18, they conspired against him to kill him. So here are men who would actually kill their own brother for jealousy. And mercifully, Reuben was the one who intervened and said, let's not shed blood here, let's throw him in the pit. And so they did that, and then you remember the Ishmaelite traders came and they sold their brother for 20 pieces of silver, and off uh, Joseph was taken to Egypt. And as if that had not brought enough pain and sorrow, as if that were not bad enough, the brothers then went back to the father. And told him that his own dearly loved son was dead. They killed an animal. They dipped uh, Joseph's robe in the blood of the animal. They brought the the robe back. Imagine this. And they say to the old man, we found this out in the field. Can you identify this this robe? And of course, Jacob takes the robe. He says, this is Joseph's. And he says, well, surely a wild animal must have torn him to pieces. And on the basis of that lie and that deception, Jacob went into mourning. And he said, I'm going to take this sadness with me to my grave. Every day was a day of mourning for the old man. And every day was a day of mourning for the old man because the ten brothers perpetrated the lie and caused him to continue to believe what they knew was not true that his dearly loved son had been killed by being torn to pieces by a wild animal. Now, have you got the picture? These are men whose word could not be trusted. They're men uh, who were prone to violence. They were sexually out of control. They were capable of lying even to someone who loved them in order to cover up their own sin. Now, here's the question at the heart of this story. How can men like this enter the blessing of God? That's the question.
1: And we're going to answer that question in just a moment. So I hope you'll stay with us. You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith with the message Awakened and Convicted. It's part of our series Snapshots of a Godly Life, taking a look at the story of Joseph. And if you ever miss one of our broadcasts, you can always catch up by going to the website, that's openthebible.org.uk. There you can download any of the messages to date by streaming directly from the website or by downloading a free MP3. Let's get back to the message now in Genesis chapter 42, and here's Pastor Colin.
0: How can a person who has broken promises, betrayed trust, lied, deceived even to loved ones, how can such a person, man or woman, enter into the blessing of God? And remember the big picture of the Bible's story. God comes to Abraham and he says, I will bless you and through you all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. Your offspring's going to be the line that will be blessed and will be a means of bringing blessing into the world. And so we had Abraham and then there was Isaac and then there was Jacob and now we've got these 10 brothers. So these brothers are the great-grandchildren of Abraham. And they are about as far away from the blessing of God as it's possible for a man to be. And the great question as we take up the story in Genesis in chapter 42, therefore obviously is, how can men like this share in the blessing of God? Is that even possible? So I want you to see that over these next two months, what lies ahead of us now is a marvelous story of redemption. We are going to see how God can transform the most broken of lives. It is therefore a story of marvelous hope. And over these next weeks, I want to draw out from the story seven major themes that will show us a kind of model of how Jesus Christ, the loved and favored son, works to bring change in broken lives and what he is able to accomplish in our lives and in the lives of people we love and pray for even today. Now, the first of these seven themes, this is where it begins. Where does transformation begin in a human life? The first theme is the theme of the awakening of conscience. Now, the timeline in the story here is important. Joseph, we know from the Bible, was 17 years old when he was sold as a slave and taken to Egypt. He was 30 years old when he was exalted to the position of being governor at the right hand of Pharaoh. 1730, so 13 years have passed there. And then we know that there were seven years of bumper harvests before the years of famine kicked in. So 13 years plus seven, at least 20 years have passed between the time when the brothers sold Joseph into Egypt and where we are now in the story in chapter 42, where the famine is beginning to bite in the land of Canaan. More than 20 years have passed. And I want to suggest to you today that during these 20 or more years, the brothers had slipped into what I'm going to describe as the worst of all spiritual positions. And that is that their sins were forgotten, but not forgiven. Now, no doubt they would have remembered from time to time what they had done, and perhaps especially in the early years, it would have been in their minds. But we know that their sins had never been dealt with for this reason. There was never a time when they came, never in 20 years, never a time when they came to their father and said, Dad, we lied to you. Never a time when they said, you know, your son was not killed by wild animals. The truth is we sold him for 20 shekels and uh, uh, he was taken to Egypt. Never a time when they came out with the truth. There was never confession. And therefore never repentance for 20 years, the brothers simply moved on, as so often happens today in our culture. You move on from one church to another, from one situation where there's wreckage left behind to another. No confession. No dealing with sin and placing it under the blood of Christ. No repentance. No real change. Just move on. The next chapter. The next thing. And for 20 years, these brothers had been working for the father. So think about what that means. They're working for the father. They're in the homestead. For 20 years, they had been lying to the father. Perpetuating the lie that... His dearly loved son had been killed by wild animals for 20 years, every day, deceiving their father, perpetuating the lie. And you may have seen this, I have certainly seen this, it is an extraordinary phenomenon that when a lie is repeated often enough, the person who repeats it can end up actually believing it themselves, even though they knew at the beginning it was not true. And you imagine over 20 years, every time a visitor comes to the tents of Jacob and, uh, oh, now tell me about your family. And out comes the story. Oh, yes, you know, we had another brother. It was very sad, very tragic thing that happened. You know, he was torn to pieces by wild animals. And that's been repeated and repeated and repeated for 20 years. And it would not surprise me at all if they had come to actually think it were true itself. If your sins are forgotten but not forgiven, never confessed, never dealt with, never placed under the blood of Christ, you are in the worst of all spiritual positions. You've just moved on. I know that some people have trouble with remembering at times past sins that have been confessed and repented and placed under the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I simply want to say for your encouragement, it is better by far that your sins are forgiven Even if they're not forgotten, even if at times they come back to your memory. Better by far that they're forgiven and not forgotten than that they would be forgotten and not forgiven. That they still stand against you in the very presence of God himself. That is the worst position of all. To be at peace with yourself when your sins are not dealt with. And it's been like that for these brothers for 20 years. And what we're going to see today is that life change really begins when God breaks that up, steps in, and says, no more. No more. Now, how does God awaken conscience? He does it in four ways that we see in this story. And as we identify them, you will very probably be able to see how God has worked in this pattern in your own life. And you'll be able to recognize it and thank him for it when this happens. Four ways then in which God begins this great redemptive work in a person's life. He awakens conscience first by disturbing peace, by disturbing peace. God breaks into the lives of the brothers here by an unexpected event that was entirely beyond their control. In this case, it was a famine. And you will find that this often happens. You're going along in the regular rhythm of life and then something happens and God is breaking in through this and he is getting your attention. The famine was severe, we're told in the last verse of chapter 41, so severe that it covered all of the earth. And then Jacob learned that there was grain for sale in Egypt and so the brothers go down to buy grain there. So we follow the story that was read for us. We're told when they arrive in Egypt, Joseph uh, recognizes the brothers, but the brothers don't recognize him. Of course, he recognized them because they weren't any different. Just 20 years older. As soon as he saw them, he thought, oh, there's the brothers. They did not recognize him because, of course, after 20 years, in the position he now occupied, Joseph looked entirely different. And sounded entirely different from what anything they would have remembered from 20 years before. One writer says Joseph's head would have been shaved, his scalp oiled, his face and eyebrows painted with cosmetics as befitted his status as an Egyptian aristocrat. You can picture that from these early days, uh, the ways uh, in which um, the Egyptian aristocracy appeared. And he would have been in a long flowing robe of the Egyptian aristocracy, quite unfamiliar to uh, these brothers. And remember that he's even speaking in what to the brothers was an unknown language. He'd learned the language of the Egyptians when he arrived in the country. We saw that in the first part of the story. And so now here he's speaking in a language they don't understand. So even voice recognition is masked because the very sounds of the language that he's speaking are different with everything that is familiar to them. They don't recognize him at all. They can't. Now, some writers are critical of Joseph for the way in which he deals with his brothers. But what I want us to see today and through these weeks is that God uses the way in which Joseph deals with his brothers to bring about a remarkable change. And one of the reasons that this story is in the Bible, one of the ways in which we learn from this story is that it shines a light on how Jesus Christ, the loved and favored son of God, the one and only son of God, how he deals in our lives to bring about change. And that's the story that we're going to follow. And it it, it begins here with the disturbing of the peace, the famine. And then verse 17, Joseph put them all in custody for three days. And so so here they are now in the prison, they're thinking, what happened to our lives? Here we are in uh, circumstances we never imagined we'd find ourselves in. And having gone along comfortably for 20 years, God is stepping in and he disturbs the peace. Now, this may happen to you in one of many ways. It may be a financial crisis. It may be that a secret is revealed. Trouble comes to the family, a circumstance completely beyond your control. And the way in which you've been going on, suddenly God is intercepting and he's got your attention. He's disturbing your peace. And why is he doing that? Because in his great love and in his mercy, he's saying to these brothers, you've gone on like this for 20 years and it has to stop here.
1: You're listening to Open the Bible with Pastor Colin Smith and the message, Awakened and Convicted. Part of our series taking a look at the life of Joseph, snapshots of a godly life. And if you ever miss any of these broadcasts or you want to hear them again, you can always do that by going to the Open the Bible website. That's openthebible.org.uk. Open the Bible is a listener-supported production and we're only able to bring it to you because of your generosity. So we'd like to thank you for that. If you're able to support Open the Bible with a regular donation of £5 or more, we'd like to thank you by sending you a copy of a book. The book's called Holiness and it's by J.C. Ryle. And any time this month that you're able to commit to a donation of £5 per month or more regularly, we can send you a free copy of that book. Starting this month in May, there's been something new on Open the Bible. Sue McLeish reads Pastor Colin Smith's Daily Devotionals. These are just short two- to three-minute reflections, a new one every day on the website. While Sue was in the studio, I asked her how she first came across Colin's Daily Devotionals. Well, I was widowed a decade ago, found myself feeling very lost and empty, and one of my sons encouraged me to listen to some sermons online. (laughs) and I came across Pastor Colin Smith. And I found myself listening more and more as God used Colin's Bible teaching to awaken something within me in that difficult time. And I've followed and enjoyed and learnt from Colin's resources ever since. So, if you've yet to try Colin Smith's short daily devotionals, go to www.openthebible.org.uk. For Open the Bible, I'm David Pick, and I very much hope you'll be able to join us next time. The worst spiritual position of all is to be at peace with yourself when your sins are not yet forgiven. Find out why next time on Open the Bible.